Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We're continuing our series on unshakable hope. We have cards available to you that have the 12 promises that we're going to be uh, going over. So far, I've been able to preach each one on only one week. Uh, It's been difficult. I've had to narrow things down, but so far I've been able to. We'll see how today uh, goes as it relates to that. Let me uh, mention to you as well uh, with Doug Eccles, uh, he's also hosting a um, a ministry appreciation dinner that's free of charge for those that have uh, given towards his ministry. That's going to be next Sunday night at the Maplewood in Hamilton, in Hamilton, not the one in anywhere else, because there's a few of them, but in Hamilton, um, if you are interested in going to that, and again, it's no charge to anyone, you'll be sharing about the ministry, and uh, those of you that have been involved uh, in ministry, just an appreciation. If you would let me know right after the service, just so I can let him know, they have about 10 spots available uh, to you uh, to do that. All right, well, who's, uh, who's doing the presentation software? Oh, Amanda. Can you go back to the opening scripture? They hide up there. I can't see them. I can see you, John. You can't hide. can't hide. So here's the scripture uh, today, and I'm going to take some of it and move some of it in a different direction, but I want to highlight it as we begin. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let me touch on that first, that this, this verse and the power of prayer comes in community. Do you see that? That sometimes we can become very individualized, which is fine. We should pray individually as well. I would recommend it. But there's something powerful that takes place in community. And if you see and hear, a lot of the ministries that are taking place in the church are specifically designed for stage-of-life ministry. And we've chosen to do it that way so that you can uh, build relationships with those that are in similar stages of life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have interaction between all of us because we do. Today, the youth and family life are going to be together. The children and youth are going to be together. On the chilly night, we're all going to be together. Christmas parties, we're all going to be together. But these smaller group settings that we have are to build community with people that are in a similar life stage. Because I think that there's no one that understands each other better than those that are going through it or have been, been through it. And I, I can't emphasize to you enough how much you need that community. You need to be in something beyond just Sunday morning. You'll have opportunity to chit-chat in a little while. Some of you chit-chat while I'm still preaching, but it's preferred that you wait until after the service and chit-chat. But, and that's great. That's great. But what happens is that's not building relationships in the way God would want us to be able to build relationships. And what I foresee in these ministries that are taking place, in all of the ones that you've heard and others that take place on a weekly basis, um, are community that we learn uh, and we know each other and we can pray for one another more specifically, okay? It's one thing, and I'll just mention this to Jen. Uh, I'll use Jen as an example because um, she lives with Kenny, so anything I say can't be as bad as that. Uh, So that's not nice. He's cooking. He did a good job co-hosting today uh, as well. Uh, 
It's, it's one thing to be able to pray, oh, pray for, you know, that, that oh, here's a good one, uh, that young lady sitting near the front. Did you hear the online service today? Kenny kept emphasizing how much older you were than him. Did you hear that? He did. I might have helped him. I might have <laughs> steered him, but he jumped off the cliff. Anyway, it's one thing. Uh, it's another thing to say, oh, there's Jen. Jen has two kids at home, married, homeschooling. Husband is uh, in the military, uh, going to be transitioning because he's going to be retiring, finishing his master's degree. and all. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's something different in relationship, and that only comes in circles and not in lines. This accomplishes one purpose, but you're missing a big part of what God wants to do if you're not involved in these circles, if you're not involved in these ministries that are taking place. Okay? So I've been excited about this and these different ministries for years. We just didn't have everything in place, and now we do. This is the part of the, if you remember, our theme for the 100th anniversary was thus far, but on the back of your shirt says next. This is the next part. Building these relationships through uh, stage-based small groups, all right, and other opportunities for that. All right, so community, confess your sins to each other. How do you do that unless in community? Uh, pray for what? Each other. How do you do that if not for community that you may be healed? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's the part of the verse we probably know. The righteous person is a saved person that wants to live for God. Okay, those prayers are powerful. The saved person that is his righteousness has been imputed, meaning Jesus' rightness is now upon us because of what he did on the cross. But also Christianity is more than just that. It's living and wanting to live in the right way according to God's standards. That's where the power comes from. It comes from faith and obedience. Faith and works. Okay? And those prayers are powerful and they produce wonderful results. This next one is a real encouragement to me. Elijah was a human just as we are. Now, we would think of Elijah, the guy that called down fire from heaven, and, and in this story he prayed and didn't rain for three years. We would think that like he was angelic or something, but in actuality he wasn't. He wasn't an angel. He was a human. He was, in a, he was a human uh, that God desired to use. That, that's all. That's all. Okay. Could you have called down fire from heaven if God chose you and wanted you to do that? Yes. I'm praying some of you he doesn't give that power to. Okay? But when he prayed, God responded. The, uh, the, the King James, how I learned it, is the effectual fervent prayer. How many know it like that? Availeth much. Okay, we don't talk like that anymore, but that's what's stuck in my head uh, for that. And yet when he prayed that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. There is power in prayer. And we believe in prayer. We have ministries established for prayer. The prayer ministries on Tuesday that is a dynamic time in God's presence. The prayer chain. We have on our Faith Life app the opportunity to post prayer requests on there. And your friends and church family go to prayer right away. Right away. 
and we pray for one another. Prayer makes a difference. When we go to the all-knowing, all-powerful God, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God in His omniscience and omnipotence and, and all of wisdom that He has chosen to work through prayer. Okay? He could have, because He's God, chosen to work through you standing on your head. And then he would answer your, he would do what, no. He chose to work through prayer because prayer is based on relationship. Okay? Now watch all of this. Throughout the whole year, our prayer theme has been the same. God changes me. This is going to be a key theme today. Does God change our circumstances? The answer is sometimes. But when we pray, does God change us? And that's yes, all the time. Okay, so the direction I'm going to take this again, you know, when you're talking about prayer, it's like throwing a little pebble in the ocean and expecting, you know, uh, England to feel the result of it. All right. So, you know, it's just it's huge topic. And so as I was praying and asking God, which direction do you want me to go in this? He led me towards because of some of the things I'm going through myself, uh, persistence and perseverance in prayer. And here's how we narrow it down. Have you ever prayed for something for so long and so often that you've gotten to the point that you think, what's the point? This is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to help you with that because we've all been there. In some areas of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm there this week. I'm there this week. What's the point? God, if you're not going to answer this prayer, then, then what's the point? Well, there is a point because he's producing something in you that only perseverance and persistent prayer can accomplish. Mark Batterson says this. I love this quote. I think I posted it on Faith Life this morning, if I remember correctly. The bravest prayer is the one you've prayed a hundred times and haven't gotten an answer to but you pray it one more time anyway. That's the bravest prayer. I grew up in a time where, uh, see what I want to say about this here. In a lot of errant teaching, there's truth, but sometimes that truth is taken to extremes. Okay? And in the 80s, uh, there was some uh, errant teaching as it related to faith. And one of the points that I heard, because my church that I grew up in during that time was split because of it, was uh, if you pray for something more than once, then it's the second time you pray is a lack of faith. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. As a teenager, I knew that wasn't right. As a 56-year-old that's lived life and pastored for many years, I can guarantee you that's not right. And I think Mark Batterson, that's about my age, grew up in the same thing. And so that's why he says the bravest prayer is the one that you've prayed a hundred times and haven't gotten an answer to, but you pray it one more time anyway. That's perseverance. That's persistent. And watch what's happening as we're persistent and we persevere in prayer. God is producing his purposes in us. We are changing. 
But the only way that happens is through persevering. And I'll use that word persevering and persistent uh, 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 equally today. So I'm going to tell you four different products of persistent prayer. Four different products of persistent prayer. How are we doing with that candy? Are we getting it? Because if we can finalize that candy, it would really help me. Okay. Okay. Then maybe after church. Four products, four products of persistent prayer. Number one, I don't have them on the screen for you, but number one, it focuses our attention. When we continue to pray for something that we've been praying for for a long time, it's not that we have to remind God. It's not that when we pray, God says, oh, (laughs) I didn't realize that. It's a good thing you let me know. God's not like me that says, oh, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot all about that. That's me. That's not God. God doesn't forget. God doesn't need to be reminded. So why does he encourage us to continue in prayer? Because we need it, not because God needs it. And one of the things that we need is we need our prayers to be focused. We need to, to, to narrow down our prayers. If every prayer that we prayed was, in, was instantly answered, two things would happen. One is that you would think that God became a vending machine, that you wouldn't understand God for who he really is, a loving heavenly father. You would just see him as a genie or a vending machine, or if you follow these certain steps. Okay, part of the 80s extremes were, if you just said it enough times, then you could speak it into existence. Okay, now again, the truth is we want to be people of faith. And the truth is we should be positive and and optimistic. And there's truth in there, but taken to the extremes, when when we take even faith to the extreme, then what happens is we put our faith in faith. And not our faith in God. Okay? And I, I honestly don't know what it means to have great faith. I, I don't have great faith. I have faith in a great God. If my prayers were only dependent upon myself, then there's no need. <laughs> don't even do it. God answers our prayers because we have faith in Him, not faith in our faith. Should we have faith? Yes, but faith in a great God. Do you understand? Okay? There's a difference there. We, we, if God answered everything the way that we wanted him to answer it, then we would consider him just a vending machine or a genie in the sky and not as our heavenly father that loves us and is going to do what's best for us because he's unhindered by sin, human emotion, and circumstantial evidence. The second thing that happens if God answered our prayer every time is that we become, let's see if I can say this politely, spoiled brats. Okay? And you've experienced this in in stores. Am I right? Now, before I had kids, I would look at a kid screaming in the aisle and say, ah, it'll never happen with my kid. When I had kids, we would pray before we would go in, oh, dear God, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. But kids that get their way every single time become spoiled brats. And no one wants to be around them. Adults don't want to be around them and friends don't want to be around them. A child that demands and gets everything he demands becomes intolerable. If God gave... I'm trying to be kind, but it's not working. Like I'm trying to muster kindness. 
But if God gave you everything you wanted when you wanted it, you too would become an immature, spoiled brat that no one wanted to be around. God loves you too much to give you everything that you want. What he's doing as you continue to pray, sometimes for the same thing over many times and many years and many decades, he's changing you. He's making you more blessable. He's making you to your family, this is a joke, more tolerable. Okay? He's changing you. He's working on you. The first product of perseverance in prayer is that it focuses our attention on the real purpose of prayer. The second thing is that it clarifies our requests. We take it from, you know, God bless, again, I'll use Jen here, God bless Jen to really, really focusing in on what the, what the needs are. A delayed answer gives you time to clarify uh, exactly what you want and to refine your prayers. It separates, over a long period of time, it separates our whims from what's truly important. Now, I think we've all lived long enough to have situations in our life that are very serious and very, very important. I think that over time our prayer lives begin to change from just a laundry list of things that we want and need and even a laundry list of what other people need to just a longing to be in God's presence. I love that. I, I love... I'm not good at it. Let's get this straight. I love to just be in the Lord's presence alone and quiet and not say anything. It's very hard for me to settle my mind, and it probably is for you as well. But there's something in the discipline of quieting your mind that God's presence becomes so real to you that it sustains you through the difficulties that you're facing. There's a lot of noise in our world. We have all sorts of opportunity for noise. And for me, sometimes, not all the time, I like to just be quiet. Just be quiet before the Lord and not ask anything, but just to be in His presence. Just to be in His presence. Prayer is an interesting thing that we get used to doing things a certain way and we get comfortable. And every Sunday I use a, uh, I do a, a, a leadership teaching to our staff for about three minutes in the studio. We review the order of service. Everybody goes through their responsibilities and I give them a word, one word. Not like a word, but I mean just a word, okay? And, and there's different ones. You know, extra was one of them. Do the extra uh, rubber band was last week. You don't reach your full potential until the rubber band is, is stretched. But if you leave it stretched too far and too long, it, you, it loses its usefulness. And the same thing is true for us. The word today was pause. And I'll share that with all of you. We need times in our life to just pause. It's biblical. David wrote the Psalms and he would write four, five, six verses and then there'd be a word what is it? Yeah. Pause. It was probably a musical pause. And what was the purpose of it? Does anybody know why it's there? Thank you. Pause. Think about. Think. Pause. 
think. I'll tell you a secret if you promise to use it. it. Sometimes if you just stop and think, you'd make better decisions. <laughs> Honestly. You know my 1-800 number, 1-800-CALL-PASTOR-SABELLA? I told you this, right? If you weren't here this week, let me remind you. 1-800-CALL-PASTOR-SABELLA. There's only one message on it. It says this, don't do that, that's stupid. That's it. Pause. You need pause in your life, not just to make decisions, but you need pause in your life to reflect on the goodness of God so that you can go forward. Okay? The pause is not to live in the past. The pause is to reflect on the past so that we can move forward in the direction that we want to have. Now, as ministry leaders, you need to pause and think about your ministry. That's what you do. Uh, again, I've encountered so many people uh, through the, through the de- decades of, of ministry, and, and uh, whether it's in, 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 in lay ministry or vocational ministry, What were you thinking? What were you thinking? And, and if you weren't thinking about that, what are you thinking about? What else in life is it that that's occupies so much of your mental energy and your emotional energy if you're not thinking about the things of God? And if the only time you think about the things of God is in church on Sunday, you're really missing something wonderful. And if you think it's an obligation or a duty or another chore, then you're missing something wonderful. Build pause into your life. Add pause to perseverance. That was extra. That's not in my notes today. That was extra. Here's what else. Okay, watch. So perseverance clarifies our request. Pause is part of that. You can either be, you need to be, ah, no. Persistent prayer is a filter and a mirror. Okay, so persistent prayer, when you're continuing to pray for the same thing over and over again, uh, it's a filter. It takes out which is unnecessary and gives you that which is best. And you think of a coffee, a coffee filter. You put the grounds in there, but you don't want to drink the coffee with all the grounds in it, right? You need a filter. In our lives, persistent prayer filters out all the stuff that shouldn't be there. And so the good excuse me, the good stuff comes out. And then you add a little bit of sugar, a little bit of half and half, and you drink hot coffee to the glory of God. But there's no glory in the grounds. There's glory in what takes place after the filtering. So what is God doing? He's filtering out what shouldn't be there. It's also a mirror. Persistent, persevering prayer is also a mirror in that what comes out of us reveals what's inside of us, okay? And sometimes that's difficult because God reveals part of, part of things in our life that we're, we, we know we don't want to be there. And sometimes he squeezes us in order for what's inside of us to come out so that we can see it. God's not surprised by whatever's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your heart. What's surprising sometimes is when we see what's in our heart, okay? Road rage. It's interesting, and I, it's funny. I'll talk about my son, but he might have gotten it from me. My son is pretty even-keeled. 
He's, he's pretty even keeled. He's a good decision maker. He's very disciplined, very hardworking. When he gets behind the wheel, he becomes a different person. So we're at Liberty University at, I don't know, was it graduation? The hockey game night. Whatever there was, there were cars everywhere. And we were trying to get to the hockey game. And this is when he first started dating his now fiance. And uh, we, I think it was the first time we met her. And he's just yelling, you, not cursing. He's not a curser, but he's just yelling, you idiot, get out of my way. And Dora and I were sitting in the back. And in between prayer, we were watching, we were watching Liz to see how she would respond. And she handled him perfectly. And we said, oh, yeah, she's the one. We kind of knew that night that she was, she was the one. What comes and why? What is on the inside comes out in those times of testing. And what is on the in, watch spiritually, what is on the inside comes out in the times of perseverance. When the answer doesn't come right away. What comes out? Sometimes fear comes out. Sometimes doubt comes out. Sometimes anger comes out. And I mean angry at God in the spiritual sense. I'm not talking about road rage anger. I'm talking about we, we're angry at God. And I'll be honest with you because you, you have to know this, that I don't have all this together. I'm learning and growing with you. Uh, if you didn't see John Pillis's interview on Wednesday, you need to watch that. It was phenomenal. I knew some of the stories. I still ended up uh, with chills and tears listening to it. But one of the things we talked about being a teacher is when you're a teacher, you learn twice. And I think God wanted me to hear some of this and study some of it for my own life. And now I pass on to you what I have learned. But there's some anger in, in my prayers some anger about why God isn't healing my brother. There's some questions that I don't have answered. There's some questions of why a man would give his whole life to the ministry and uh, be going through what he's going through. And what God is doing, and I really needed this message this week, is he's shining a mirror on my own heart. He's filtering out some of the things in my own life. And the reason that's happening is because we've prayed so often, so long and so hard. Now, I don't know the end result yet, but I know what he's going through now, and I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I tell you my for instance, because you all have your for instances. You've all been in similar situations. We've all lived life. We've all had tragedy. We've all had unanswered prayers. We've all had these questions of, like, like Martha, Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. I'm a lot more like Martha than I am Jesus. Technically, I'm a lot more like Putin than I am Jesus. I'm more like Stalin than I am Jesus. That's how far away I am in my own self from Jesus. He's so wonderful, so loving and so understanding that even when I cry out in anger and hurt and in pain, he still loves me. I want to tell you that today, that even when you're honest with God, he still loves you and he's just thankful 
that just showed up. He's just, he's thankful in a sense. Again, I'm trying, I'm putting human terms on Almighty God, but he's, he, he, he wants you to be there and he wants to be there for you. What does a mom say when her adult children go through something and they live far away? I wish I could be there. God is there. And we only learn these things through unanswered prayer. All right, number three. These, the unanswered prayer and perseverance in prayer tests our faith. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's what James says. Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. How does endurance happen? We keep going when we don't want to go. Now, I don't like to run. Even when I was an athlete, I didn't like to run. I was more of a short-distance sprint than, like, long. I know some people, I don't, I don't know if any of you here, you run long distances with no one chasing you. I never understood that. I'll see people running on Dutch Mill, and they're running. None of them are smiling. I almost smile, but I've never seen one smile. They're running, and I'm looking behind them. wonder who's chasing them. Doesn't make good sense when you got a car. But anyway, there's never much of a runner. But when I played sports, one of the things the coach needed to do was he would stretch us further than what we wanted to go. And we only grew when we didn't give up. And we were stretched farther than we might necessarily want to grow. That's what God is doing when he's testing you. He's testing you. He's doing it for your own good. But at the end of it, that's when we grow. If you give up, you will never grow. The only way you can grow spiritually is through being tried and tested. And God is doing, but he's working. Persistent prayer is not a sign of when I was younger... Persistent prayer is not a sign of spiritual immaturity. It's actually a great sign of spiritual maturity that I'm not going to give up. Whether I see the answer I want or not, I will not give up. I will not stop praying and I will not give up on God. Because the reality is where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? I'm going to keep running to Jesus because that's all I know. I don't know pretty much everything. But I do know that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Don't give up. All right, so there was this father. He was trying to teach his son not to give up. And he said, you've you got to keep going. Don't, don't quit so easily. He said, look at Abraham Lincoln. He, he didn't give up. Look at... Thomas Edison, he failed more than he succeeded. He didn't quit. Look at Douglas MacArthur. He didn't quit. And then he said, look at Elmo McCringle. The son said, Elmo McCringle, who's that? <laughs> See, he quit. <laughs> Aaron Judge, how many know who Aaron Judge is? Struck out eight times and nine at-bats in his uh, rookie year. Doubleheader, he struck out eight times in nine at-bats. That hadn't happened in the National League since 1910, 
and in the American League since 1913, and I'm guessing this was about 2018, that he struck out eight times in nine at-bats. Each of his five at-bats in the late game, including with a runner on base in the ninth inning, he struck out. The five strikeouts were a career high for Judge, Aaron Judge, who led the majors that year with 208 strikeouts while winning the National League or the American League Rookie of the Year. Aaron Judge said at the end of that day of striking out eight out of nine times, four times, they called a golden sombrero. I don't know if you knew that. And you don't want that. Five times, I don't even know what they call that. So here he is, eight times, nine at-bats. He says this, that's not a rough day, that's a terrible day. But the beauty of baseball is that I get to wake up to fresh and new at-bats tomorrow. And if you don't know, Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run, which is the most home runs ever hit except for the steroid era in one year. He didn't quit in 2018, and now he will be remembered on into the future as one of the greatest players ever. We've all struck out. I've struck out nine out of nine times in life sometimes. But the great thing is, is that we have a loving Heavenly Father that gives us a new start and a new beginning because that's what He does. And so we get up and we go at it all over again and wait and see what God is able to do. All right, number four, lastly, as we're persevering in prayer, God prepares your heart for the answer. When you make a request of God, God always wants to answer in a better way. Because here's, here's kind of God. Maybe you've heard this verse. I don't know if you know it. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. Think of that. So whatever our greatest desire is and what we could imagine, he can do even beyond that. And sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers because our prayers are too small. They're too limited. They're too limited, and he wants to accomplish something greater. And so we persist in prayer because he's preparing our heart for the answer that will come. And sometimes that answer is over and above anything we could ask or imagine. And sometimes that deep, desperate prayer, God's answer is no and not yet, but just wait. That's tough. I don't want to hear no, and I don't want to hear not yet. But I do know that whatever God does, it's right and it's better than whatever it is I wanted because he's right and he's much better than anything I could ever ask for or anything I could ever imagine. He has to prepare you for it and he does that through persistent prayer. What have you been praying for for a long period of time? Don't stop. When I said, when I asked you, have you ever prayed for something for so long, you just wonder what's the point? We all said yes. We all said that. Now we know there's a point that God is accomplishing something in our lives. First, first is it focuses our attention. Second, it clarifies like a filter in a mirror. Third is he's testing our faith, teaching us endurance so that we can go further in our faith. And fourth, he's preparing our heart for the answer. What is it that you've been praying for? Don't give up. 
If God is testing you right now, there's a testimony that's coming down the road. Because that's a good and loving God that we have. Don't give up. All right. There was a man named Joseph Scriven. Does anybody know who he is? I don't think Elmo, Elmo McCringle ever lived. Okay, that was just a funny story. This Joseph Scriven actually was a real person. Joseph Scriven was a, uh, a man of God. He'd gone, gone through schooling, but he had faced a lot of tragedy in his life. As a young man, he fell in love and was ready to get married. And the day before he got married, his bride was crossing the river Bon and was drowned. The horse collapsed and she was drowned as he watched from the shore. The, the grief was so unimaginable. He lived in, I, I think, Ireland or something like that, somewhere in the UK. He moved to Canada because he wanted to start over again. Because of his education, he was able to be a tutor. And while he was tutoring, not, not one of his students, but he met a young lady and fell in love again, probably thinking, I'll never be able to love again. But he did, and he, he was engaged. But however, before they were able to get married, she died of pneumonia. Her name was Eliza, and 10 years after Eliza died, Scriven received word that his mother had become very ill. And during this time of tragedy, he gave his life completely to the Lord and was called the Samaritan of that region of Canada, and he took a, a vow of poverty. And so he lived with someone else, and any money he would make would just for his bare necessities, and then he would give the rest away. So when his mother was ill many miles away across the ocean, he was unable to get to her. And so he penned a poem to her that he sent. Later in his life, as he was dying, a friend came to take care of him, and he found as he was going through his little bit of things that he had, this piece of paper and the friend asked, who wrote these beautiful words? And Scriven replied, uh, the Lord and I did. It's between us. But these are the scribbled words that he wrote. Now remember, tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Here's the words that he wrote. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. That depth of relationship only comes through pain and perseverance. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Yes, he knew it. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden and cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise and forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee 
thou wilt find a solace there. Here we are, through perseverance and pain, 160 years later, still singing this song because God was able to do in his life what he's able to do in our life through perseverance above and beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.